Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and this is the Bengals Booth Podcast, the brand new day edition, as we introduce you to Zach Taylor. Coming up, two in-depth conversations. First, my fun facts interview with the Bengals' new 35 years young head coach. If you want to know about his plans for building a championship team in Cincinnati, it's not that type of interview. For that information, I recommend watching his introductory news conference on Bengals.com or reading the many great stories posted by Bengals.com editor Jeff Hobson. My interview is more of a this-is-your-life type of conversation, ranging from how Zach handled the white-hot spotlight that goes with being the starting quarterback at Nebraska to his wife Sarah, who's about to move for the 17th time in 35 years as the daughter and wife of football coaches. After that conversation, my broadcast partner Dave Lapham joins me to discuss why the Bengals pick Zach Taylor and what players should expect with him in charge. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. It's the greatest invention since... YouTube. In doing some research about Zach, I learned that one of the highlights of his playing career at Nebraska was a game-winning, last-minute drive against Texas A&M. Want to see it? Search for Nebraska Drive versus Texas A&M, and you can watch it on YouTube. I love that. That drive was one of many topics I asked him about when we sat down after his news conference in the Bengals locker room. Time for some fun facts with the 10th head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor. Zach, you are from a football family. Your dad played at Oklahoma, coached at Oklahoma. Your brother was a college quarterback, coaches in the NFL. Your father-in-law was an NFL head coach. What are your earliest football memories? Probably OU Nebraska when I was a little kid. Um, You know, I remember watching those games on TV when it was in Lincoln and going to the games when it was usually freezing cold outside in late November and uh, my next door neighbor was Gary Gibbs, who was the head coach mm. at Oklahoma for a number of years. And so uh, his daughter and I would play football in the front yard while they were having road games on TV. And so, you know, I, I grew up from the day I can remember uh, being a Sooner fan and, and just wanting to play. And I see it in my son now, you know, Brooks, he, he does the same way that I'm a coach. I can see, see my childhood through him now. And you were a basketball ball boy for the Sooners, correct? I, that's great research by you. I was. Uh, Billy Tubbs was the head coach, and my uncle, Mike Anderson, was an assistant. And so I, I could not tell you how old I was. I was probably uh, nine or ten years old. My sweat bottoms were too long. I'd trip <laughs> over them, and um, I'd sit behind the opposing team's head coach, you know, and just kind of serve water to all the players. So, yeah, that, that goes way back to, to my really early days. We're doing fun facts with Zach Taylor. You shared a bedroom with your brother, Press. Yeah. I've read that it was a shrine to Peyton Manning. Yeah, we actually had a, a Tennessee jersey on the wall. Uh, we had an Ole Miss jersey on the wall for Eli, for my younger brother. Um, so we had a basketball hoop. We had really high ceilings for whatever reason. It was above the garage. It was a former attic that we'd converted. So we had high ceilings. We had a basketball hoop in there, and there was a lot of competitive games back in the day. Uh, a lot of tears shed, that's for sure, with some of the elbows we threw to each other. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a that was, a, that was a long time ago. You're really doing your research here. I love uh, it. We're just getting started, trust <laughs> me. So you and your brother have yeah. competed against each other in the NFL, yep. and there's a trophy, the yep. Taylor Bro Bowl Trophy. That's correct. In your father's office, right? 
It's in my father's office in Norman. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to state the record uh, on air here because it's it's not in my direction right now. But um, hopefully, someday in the next couple of years, we can we can even the score. You are a great player at Nebraska. You were the Big 12 Player of the Year your senior year as a quarterback. And if you're the quarterback at Nebraska, you are playing under a white hot spotlight. Yeah. How has that prepared you for what you're about to do now? I think it's it's really uh, helped me. That that experience is invaluable. And you know, not, I've never I've never been a, a wild person outside of the the complex, but. It really does let you know that you're in a fishbowl and everyone's watching everything you do and you get to conduct yourself the right way and um, treat people with respect. And so that goes a long way. And I've known that since my childhood. I think my parents raised me the right way. And um, so that just carried over my time at Nebraska. But that is that is an intense environment. Um, I know what it's like to be booed when you throw an incompletion. And so, you know, I, I know that that's no different when you're coaching the NFL. So uh, I think that experience will serve me well. We're doing fun facts with Zach Taylor. If you're a 49ers fan, you have the catch, Dwight Clark's catch against the Cowboys. If you're a Broncos fan, you have the helicopter, John Elway's leaping first down flight uh, in the Super Bowl against the Packers. If you're a Nebraska fan, you've heard of the drive, which you led against Texas A&M, a dramatic last-minute game-winning touchdown drive. Look up the word Zach Taylor drive on the Internet, and it takes you right to the YouTube clip. Was that the highlight of your playing days? Yeah, that was certainly one of them. You know, that, that clinched the Big 12 North for us, and that was something that we had a goal of all season. And to do it on the road in an intense environment against a, a great team at the time uh, was, was not easy to do. And it took all three phases in that game. We blocked a kick. Uh, first of all, we got a stop on defense, and then we blocked a kick, and then we were able to convert on offense and go down and – uh, Maurice Purify had a great touchdown catch there in the left corner of the end zone. So that's a memory I'll never forget. Certainly one of our, our better moments at Nebraska. And, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. After Nebraska was finished, you spent some time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The head coach was John Gruden at the time, mm-hmm. famously tough on quarterbacks. I know you weren't there for very long, but did you uh, get a taste of that? I did. He has high standards for those guys and, and puts a lot on their plate and expects a lot out of them, which you should in the NFL. And, um, so I, I appreciate the way he coached. I was, I think I was the sixth string quarterback and there was only five quarterbacks there because Jake Plummer was under contract, but not reporting. So, uh, I, I didn't take any snaps really during my time there, but it was a fun experience to be a part of an NFL team, at least for a couple of weeks. And from there it was on to the CFL. You didn't get the opportunity to play for Winnipeg, but you were on the team. What was that experience like? It was good. You know, that wasn't a great fit for me. Uh, you know, I got small hands and that ball's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew really the first day I showed up on, on the campus, the, the, the place, and picked up a football, I said, this isn't going to go well for me. So uh, I happened to join the best team. We went to the Grey Cup. We, we were the runner-ups. Uh, but it was a good experience for me just to uh, be able to check that one off and say that that's, this isn't the future for me. I think it's time to get into coaching. I found an interview, I think, from maybe July of 2007, something like that. You were 25 years old, and it's the first reference that I saw you say, I want to be a head coach. How did you know in your mid-20s that you wanted to do this? Well, I think I've had great role models and great coaches that, that coached me in college. And so when you're around great teachers like that, it, it leaves a lasting impression on you. And, you know, I've made the statement before. I remember sitting in econ and accounting classes at Nebraska and studying my playbook instead of paying attention to what I should have been paying attention to. And so, you know, at some point it dawns on you that maybe this is the best path for me. This is what I understand. This is what I like to do. Um, when you've been around great teachers that you can follow their lead, then it was just a natural progression for me. 
I got to know you a little bit uh, in 2016 when you were the offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati, and it was a tough year. It was Coach Tuberville's final year as the head coach. You've said you learned from that experience. Give me something, something in specifically that you learned from that year. Well, I mean, there, there's games where it's difficult to move the ball and you face a lot of adversity, and so um, you always want to be accountable and take responsibility uh, when you feel like you're the leader of that side of the ball. And so uh, because the coaches and the players are always going to look to you for to be an example, and it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be adversity in this profession. And so you got to conduct yourself the right way, be a problem solver, and those are some things I took away from that experience there for that year. You recruited a quarterback that you didn't get to coach, but Cincinnati fans are happy you did, Desmond Ritter. And you two guys have stayed in frequent contact. Yeah, he's a great kid. I, I fell in love with him when he was in Louisville. And uh, I remember the workout he conducted with his teammates, and he was just a great leader. That's the thing that struck me is the guys were drawn to him, and, and he led the whole workout and was accurate. And um, So it, it, it's great to see the job that Luke Fickle has done there with that program. He's an outstanding coach. Uh, treats people the right way, and I think Des has done a great job leading that team. A few more fun facts for Zach Taylor. Uh, you and your wife, Sarah, enjoyed your time here. Yep. I was talking to her a little while ago. She said this will be her 17th move mm -hmm. related to coaching, her yep. father's coaching career and now your coaching career. That's unbelievable. It is, but uh, she's a trooper. Her mom's a trooper, and so she learned from her mom, and uh, you know, she's really the leader of her household. She keeps it all together, and She's been outstanding throughout this whole process. So it's nice to, for once, leave a place that we really enjoyed being and come back to a place that really feels like home. And so I know that's special for her. It's special for me. Uh, it just feels right. How do you juggle the demands of being an NFL head coach with trying to raise four young kids? It's hard. I mean, it's important to have a wife who understands what she signed up for and, and can be the leader that she is. And, and uh, you know, but my family is the most important thing to me. And so every chance I get away from football, I, I want to make time for them and be the dad that they need and the husband that they need. And so, um, you know, we, we do have a special group of kids, and, and my wife leads the charge there, so I appreciate her. All right. Last few topics. No great research on my part. Greatest athlete in any sport of all time. I mean, Michael Jordan, as a kid in my generation, that's who I grew up idolizing and, and, and watching and thinking he was the greatest of all time. And so um, that's probably the, the name I would say. Do you have a hidden talent that nobody knows about? No. I can I can definitely say that I have no talents that are not well known. What was your all-time worst sports injury? Uh, I broke my wrist, um, my first ever tackle football game. Um, and my dad was my coach. I don't know if he's here or not. My dad was my coach, and he didn't, you know, a coach whose son is playing tackle for the first time as the quarterback, and he's hurt on in the first game. You know, hey, toughen up and get back out there. But in reality, I'd broken my wrist. So, um, you know, t typical coach, he's trying to get me to play through it. I'm crying. You know, I'm in sixth grade. And, uh, that you know, I, I've really been fortunate, knock on wood, to have not suffered any injuries in my playing or coaching career, and, and that was probably the biggest one. Great to have you back in town. Look forward to working with you. Congratulations on uh, an extraordinary day. Thank you very much, Dan. Glad to be here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zach as much as I did, and I really look forward to co-hosting his weekly TV show this fall with Dave Lapham. Speaking of Lapp, he played for the first four head coaches in Bengals history, including Paul Brown and Forrest Gregg, and he's covered the last five as a Bengals broadcaster. Following Zach's introductory news conference, I picked Lapp's brain on the hiring of Zach Taylor. 
Lap, we've known this was coming for a while. Now it's official. Zach Taylor is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought he killed the news conference, which is always a good first day on the job. What were some of your biggest takeaways? I agree with you, Dan. I think he I think he killed it, destroyed it, and I can see why in an interview process, a four hour interview process with the uh with the committee that was tasked with finding a new head coach that he he crushed it, you know, and he was the guy that they walked away from that meeting with saying, Wow, this guy's impressive. You know, two things that um, I think he's going to be all about, and I think they're equally important. Um, and it's almost like peanut butter and jelly. They're both good. When you put them together, they're even better. Scheme and culture. And that's he's, he's big. Scheme is obvious. I think he feels like he's got a scheme that's going to work. It's a proven scheme out there with the L.A. Rams. He knows it inside out. Um, I think – you're going to have offensive players who are going to be thrilled to death. They're going to put up, be put in favorable matchups. It's all about matchups. And he is going to design and scheme formations, personnel, motion to get matchups that will heighten that player's skill set. He'll put them on the big stage to do big things. Quarterback Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, I mean, you know, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, Tyler Boyd. It, 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 the list goes on and on. He is going to make their life so much better. I and mean, it's, it's, it's gonna, it reminds me of when Lindy Infante had us on a roll when we were in the Super Bowl as a player. We'd go into those meetings when he was introducing the game plan, like, what's he got now? Oh, boy, what, what's he cooking? How, what, how, what's my involvement going to be in this big process? And guys couldn't wait. And I can see that same thing happening with these guys because everybody knows what the Rams did. 33 until they get Belichick, but 33 <laughs> points a game, you know, um, is, is phenomenal. And so that part of it, I think, is going to be dynamic. But the other part is more of an intangible, obviously, in the culture. You know, his whole thing is like Sean McVay. He said the biggest thing that he learned from Sean McVay was dealing with people, not necessarily scheme. And although scheme obviously was huge and important, but everybody's validated. Everybody in that Rams organization has validation from very top to very bottom. And everybody's opinion means something. Everybody's opinion is solicited. And that's, that's when you're valued like that, I mean, everybody wants to contribute to the cause even more so. So those are the two things that, that you know, I took away from, uh, from the long press conference and the long meetings with media that he had afterwards and uh, even his patience with all, all of hmm. that. His endurance and patience through, through that whole thing was impressive by Zach. As I listened to his news conference, the person that I thought of, oddly enough, was Luke Fickle because he kept coming back to the theme that guys want to be pushed. They want discipline. And we are going to, they're going to come in here and love going to work every day. That really reminded me about what I've been hearing for the last couple of years from UC's now highly successful head coach. Well, you know what? It's, it's a lot like being a parent. I mean, your kids crave discipline, whether they realize it or not. Your kids need discipline. They crave discipline. They respond to discipline. And I'm not talking about, you know, cruel and unusual, unusual punishment discipline, but I'm talking about structure and the discipline in their daily life and, you know, knowing that they're going to get three good meals, whatever their schedule is, they're going to go to bed at night and have a roof over there, all, all of that sort of thing. Your kids crave that. They crave the continuity and the consistency of all that. Players are the same way. Players want to be, you know, coached uh, by, by guys that know what they're doing. And players can sniff out guys that don't know what they're doing 
quickly. And they can also really appreciate guys that do know what they're doing, and the response is immediate and dramatic. And I think that's what he's going to – I think guys are going to be like, wow, this stuff's really good. This guy knows what he's doing. I think that's the reaction he's going to get. And, you know, and, and, and I, I think um, I think the players are – I think he's going to treat them like men, but I do think that he's going to hard coach them too. And, you know, it, you, you don't have to beat guys up, but, you know, just whether it's repetition of, of, uh, of the same things over and over and over again – and then maybe presenting in, in a different way, but it's the same thing, and then they catch on to it that way. It's, it's getting a pulse for, you know, how if, – if you, if you have Andy Dalton who can understand uh, calculus, but you have other guys out there on the offense that only understand Algebra 1, you can't go to calculus until you get the Algebra 1 to go to Algebra 2 and beyond that. You know, you have to dumb it down. It, th- those are all the things that he's going to be learning about his personnel, not just watching what their physical attributes are on tape, but getting to know them as players and as people. And, and he's going to deep dive into everybody. You can tell that, man. He's going to drill, he's going to drill down really, really <laughs> far and deep. We both know him a little bit. I got to know him from his season at the University of Cincinnati when he was the offensive coordinator. You broadcast his games as a Nebraska quarterback and got to be in these production meetings leading up, uh, leading up to kickoff on Saturday. I could see why the Brown family would be so drawn to him. Humble guy, not a flashy guy. Uh, very much just wants to be part of a team. Um, it, it seems to me, like personal, personality-wise, he's a perfect fit for Mike Brown, Katie, Troy, Paul, and Duke Tobin. No question about it. And, you know, the, the, another common denominator is both are football families. Their whole life is football. Mike Brown doesn't have other businesses, and this is a hobby. This is it. This is Mike Brown's life. You know, he grew up with football with his dad, the legendary Paul Brown, and it just goes from there. Zach Taylor's family, I mean, his father, his father-in-law, his brother. I mean, it's, you know, everybody's football. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was, that, that was, was striking to me. And, you know, I, I just think the, the other thing w- with him is he never – when he played, we were talking about this earlier, he did take a beating. I mean, he got crushed. He got, he got pounded. He got thrown around. He never pointed a finger at his offensive line. He never complained to anybody. He just took the lick and kept on ticking. And, and that, that's what he's like with Tommy Tuberville. Could have, you know, he was being thrown under the bus. He never threw anybody under the bus. He always burdens the shoulder of responsibility, you know. And he's like – Playing the quarterback position, we've talked about this before. Every great one shoulders the burden of blame and deflects credit. I screwed that up. Man, that guy made a great play. And that's how he is with not just as a quarterback on the field playing, but I think that's how he is as a leader. He is good. Whenever they have success, everybody, man, you guys were all great. Whenever they struggle, I'm not doing enough. I'm just not good enough. That, that, that concept, I think, is going to be – him as a leader of the Cincinnati Bengals organization as well. I really believe that. Let's talk about the football mind because obviously he's got the Sean McVay ties now for the last couple of seasons. But even going back to his playing days, he takes over as the quarterback in Nebraska when they are converting from having run the football and option football forever to becoming a West Coast passing style under Bill Callahan. The fans revolted. This isn't Nebraska football an incredibly complex system for college football at that point, and he picked it up in a snap. He did. And uh, Bill Callahan, and I remember, you know, I I was part of the West Coast offense 
I remember a lot of nomenclature and a lot of words. I mean, some plays were like 15, 20 words, you know, to get a play called. It was, it was a, multiple words for formation, protection, the actual play. It's like, wow, you know, they, some words for routes that were supposed to be it – was, it was something. And, and Bill Callahan, and his dad was talking about it today, I remember Bill Callahan talking about it saying, you know, in installation we put like nine of our, we thought, top plays, that, you know, go-to plays, bread-and-butter plays of the West Coast offense on a, on a board, and Zach took them down. And a lot, of, a lot of nomenclature, a lot of wording. The very next day, spit them all back at him like, like in, and Bill's like, well, we knew we had our quarterback. We knew we were good there. So um, that, that's, that's a little bit of a testament to it. But, you know, we've mentioned this before. Um, you know, I had, like, doing the games as an analyst in these meetings, and, and uh, Major Applewhite and Zach Taylor were the two guys that get up on the board and could install their offense like they were the offensive coordinator, not the quarterback. And I remember saying to guys in the crew, it's like, man, these guys, these guys could be coaches. And Major Applewhite, you know, has risen to a head coaching position during the course of his career in, in college football. And now Zach Taylor is in the NFL. So not a surprise. And, and uh, he definitely has, you know, people throw football IQ around like, you know, like it's quarters now. Uh, but he has it. He really has it. He's, he's got it at a very, very high level, you know, probably – you know, I want to throw him in the genius category. I'll save genius for Paul Brown, Bill Walsh. There, there's a, you know, just a, that, 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 that's not a very long roll call when you have to make that genius roll call. But he is sharp. He's sharp as a tack. He's 35 years old. He has not been a head coach, so he doesn't have that skin on the wall. Are guys going to challenge him? Yeah, I think they will. You know, it's some, they'll, they'll test him. Sometimes maybe even if they don't realize they're testing him or not, you know. And, um, and it's going to be interesting to – to see how he, how he handles that. I, I think, though, when the, 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 biggest, the biggest thing, and we've already talked about this, your credibility. I mean, do you know football? And can you, are you a teacher? Can you make me better? Everybody wants to be coached. Everybody wants to be better. So that's how he's going to make his, his, um, you know, his identification, identity with the football team, those kind of things. And, but there will be. I mean, there'll, there'll be a surly veteran in his office someday at some point in time, maybe not even in the too dear, near distant future that uh, is, you know, is going to challenge him a little bit and uh, be interested to see how he disarms him. Or I asked him that very thing. Um, I said, you know, how do you, how do you handle that? Do you try to convert him or do you dismiss him, basically? And he said, you know, my, it basically kind of get to know him, you know, and then make a determination. I don't think he's going to do anything like – you know, like a snap judgment kind of thing. I think he's going to, like we talked about earlier, drill and, and, and get deep into a lot of these players and coaches and organization, every, everybody that he's working with. Been a lot of names out there about possible defensive coordinators. For a while it looked like Jack Del Rio might be the guy. Now it's been reported that that's not happening. Uh, and Zach did not want to talk about possible members of his coaching staff today. Didn't think that was the right time to do that. But but in general terms, what do you think think happens with defensive coordinator? You know, I still think that, that the, 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 the recipe, the formula, whatever you want to call it, that Sean McVay used is what they're looking for. Wade Phillips, the, you know, a KG veteran, um, <laughs> been to many, many wars and battles, uh, and, and basically is like you're, you're almost assistant head coach. You've got the defense. And I'm going to take care of the offense. And you know, Zach said he's calling his, his own plays. So uh, when you're when you're doing that, you don't want to have to 
be – it's not like he's not going to know what they're going to do defensively, what their concepts and schemes and philosophies are. He's going to be all over that. But on a game management standpoint, you know, he wants somebody to be able to handle that, and not, he doesn't want to have to cloud his cloud his, uh, his responsibilities with that. So I think, you know, the, the former head coach – um, the coordinator position being held before experience in those areas. I think a young head coach, there's, there's nothing more valuable than having a former head coach on their staff that can at least say to them, hey, you know, heads up for this, watch out for this. I did this and it didn't work out very well. When I first faced this, eh, I should have maybe handled it this way. When this turned out, when I, when, when I did this this way, man, I got great results. All that, all that kind of information is invaluable. So it's somewhere during the course of assembling his staff, I think a former head coach somewhere I think is is uh, is an important thing. It's not doesn't sound like it's going to be in the offensive side of it. You know, Brian Callahan's a year younger than Zach, 34 years old, so that offense is going to be young and je- energetic, enthusiastic, open-minded. It's going to be very interesting and very creative, I'm sure. And I'm not saying defensively has to be you know old man get off my lawn you know I'm I'm doing it this way and hell of hot water man you ain't telling me anything I'm not going to do so so I think cohesion is is the big thing I think cultural cohesion C squared the two C words are going to be big in what Zach Zach is uh, thinking when he assembles his staff but I still maintain that the two coordinator positions and his offensive line coach those are the three big hires. And um, we'll see how that all shakes down. Last thing, I looked over toward his folks in the middle of his news conference, and they're there in the front row holding hands. And I'm thinking, how unbelievable is that? Your 35-year-old kid is about to be an NFL head coach. And, and they're so grounded, you know? I mean, when you look at them and you look at that relationship and you look at the way Zach turned out and you look at, you know um, – you know, Zach and Sarah having their children and the family that they are, it's, it's quite a legacy. You know, if you're, you're sitting there as a, as a parent and a grandparent, it, it, that's got to be, man, I don't, I don't know if I could have buttoned my sport coat if I were him. You know, my chest would be so swelled up, so proud. Um, that is, that, that's, that's amazing. And then to boot, Press, his other son, is quarterback coach with the Philadelphia Eagles who won the Super Bowl last year. So you got, you got two kids that played the quarterback position at the college level that are um, one's on a coaching staff in the NFL and a rising star, highly regarded, and the other one just got his head, first head coaching opportunity in the National Football League, and the oldest is 35 years old. That's a, that's a blessed family. But as the old saying goes, good things happen to good people. And, and, and the Taylor family, that's pretty darn good people, isn't it? My thanks to Lap and to Zach Taylor. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. But there is some news for you. For the first time, I will be doing regular Bengals Booth podcast during the off-season. So if you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or leave a comment. Your feedback is always appreciated. And five-star rankings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde. And thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.